Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Welcome. This is the Podcaster Community Show, short conversations that are not just about podcasting, because as I've said before, I like to take the scenic route. My guest today is Jessica Burdett. Welcome, Jessica. How are you? I'm guessing it's daylight where you are. I'm guessing you're in the same time zone as me. <laughs> How are you? Hello, I am good. I am in the central time zone and it is daylight, but with lots of rain. <laughs> It's hot where I am and not raining yet. Mm. Um, we were talking beforehand. Uh, there's a million places any conversation can go, especially if you don't know someone. Um, and I think that's always an interesting question when you, uh, I say this a lot to people who, oh, how do I have good conversations? Like, well, the first thing you do is you don't record them because you, <laughs> regular, normal people, They've never had a good conversation where they said to their friend, I'm coming over at Tuesday at eight o'clock. I'm bringing a bottle of wine. I'm going to record. And it's going to be 20 minutes. It's going to be awesome. People go, what? You know. So <laughs> just by saying we're going to have a recording of the conversation, we're changing the framework. Mm. Uh, and from talking beforehand, I know that you sort of, I'm going to say, stumbled in a good way into taking the podcasting course, but maybe already even in the back of your mind, but particularly now you're thinking about using podcast in a, like a structured research context. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on if you imagine trying to collect information from people, is podcasting a good way to do it? Or is it maybe like the lazy way to do it? Or what your thoughts are on like <laughs> deploying podcasting as a tool for research, always for the good, of course. But. Yeah. Hmm. To be fair, I never think a question has like one answer. So asking me, That's is it this or that? Observation. It's just never going to be this or that for me. Um, I think it's less about, is it like the, a good way or the right way? But like, does it let me be in the creative space? Mm -hmm. um, because when I am learning about things, I have to give myself space to play and dig into it and have ideas forming without having to put them in what feels like a box. And getting the words out through a pen onto paper feels very boxy to me. <laughs> I, I say, I don't write well. <laughs> I mean, I can type, I can type really fast, but not like prose or English. Um, and I think that there's definitely, um, on my mind, my mind wanders in a good way to an article I read recently about something called Babel, like B-A-B-B-L-E. <clears throat> and this article was talking about using babbling as a way to refine your thinking and a way to learn. So uh, onomatopoeia, babies babble. Um, and at first they do it like, uh, they, you know, they're just making sounds and you know, there's kind of like a, and then when they, when the other, other people respond, they're like, Oh, I guess that makes sense. Let me try stringing together. You know, like they sort of like figure it out. They just babble until it works out. Um, and if you think about how much information is contained in the babbling, and there might be meta information. The child is energetic. The child is tired. But generally, there's very little information. A word might come out, but you're like, yeah, but just because that's the sound you made, that doesn't mean that's what you were trying to say. Yes. Um, <laughs> I actually have a great story about that. <laughs> I was going to say, so as I'm babbling on, but you can also think of babbling as generating raw material for refining your thoughts. But tell me your story about babbling. Um, I have a seven-month-old, almost eight-month-old actually now, daughter. 
And so she is full of babbles. She's currently been doing lots of da, 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 da. And today she was laying on the floor and my husband got a video of her talking to this disturbing parrot puppet that we have who's named Francisco that my husband won in a white elephant gift exchange. And she's laying on the floor holding Francisco the parrot saying, da, 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 dad, da, 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 da. <laughs> and <laughs> there was a very distinct dad in this. It was definitely not an intentional word, <laughs> but it made for a great, a great moment. I'm trying to remember there are that it's um I've seen people make jokes about trying to translate dog, you know, and then there's like the I think it's like a far side cartoon is this mad scientist and he like finally gets it working and when the dog translates to install the barking, translates to hey, 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 hey. You know, like, and you're like, right? There's no information embedded in the actual words. The information is embedded in how that stuff is said. Mm. Um, and that's a, the first thing I thought of was that not attempting to draw a parallel between your seven-month-old child and a dog. I'm just saying I've I've seen that before, where you can get lost in trying to look for meaning when there isn't meaning mm. there. You should just be like. You know, I should just zoom out and enjoy the humor of babbling babies and and barking dogs. Um, that makes me want to ask more questions about uh, research and PhD work. Uh, why? What makes you say that you want to pursue a PhD? Is that has that been like on your radar for a long time, or is that kind of like now? I think I'm ready to do that, or like how did you set your sights on that? Because I think that's going to tell me a little bit more about what you may, what might end up doing with podcasting. Yeah, it is not a thing I have committed to, but it is a thing I have done a lot of research around and have a lot of interest in. So I work in the coaching space. I do professional and personal development coaching. And there is a lot of research out there around coaching in businesses and like more corporate research around coaching. I'm really interested in being able to add to the coaching space in more developmental research. Like how can we use coaching and development and how does it, how does the process impact development? And I'm fascinated by transitions. So I don't know. It's just an area where I have for a while had a lot of interest in being able to contribute to the coaching field with some more research. And as I've, done my hunting out of programs and research and trying to make sense of transitions for myself and talked to experts in the coaching space, they come back to me like, oh, I don't know anyone doing that work. You should do it, which is on one hand, wonderful. And on the other <laughs> hand, like, oh, darn it. I was hoping to have a place to start. So yeah. <laughs> that's a bit of what's, what's making me interested in it. That's neat when you find a space. There's a quote at the edge of my mind about somebody giving a commencement speech saying that, yeah, it's not so important what you do as you find something where there are people that you admire who are doing something interesting and you can sort of like chase the interesting part of it. 
Um, if you find something where everybody knows what it is, then you kind of missed your window. And if you find something that nobody is excited about it, you're either right in front of the tsunami or you're in the wrong, you know, you want to play baseball and you're on the cricket pitch. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> um, have you, have you thought further about how you would attack it? Like you seem like you really want to use podcasting as a way to do your research. And I don't know, I've ever encountered anybody who said, I really want to do a PhD because I have this really cool idea for how I'm doing the data analysis or the design <laughs> of the research. You know, Most people are like, I'm really super interested in the topic and you seem super interested in the topic of transitions, but you really also seem um, oddly interested in using podcasting as part of your research. And I'm just like, what's going on there? Mm. And I may be completely off base too. Just cause I say it doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I'm more thinking of it like podcasting is a way to start exploring my topic um, rather than mm. the way I would necessarily commit to doing it. I'm certainly more interested in doing research that is more um, like story-based research, like what Brene Brown does, than in doing like numbery research. Granted, there is overlap. <laughs> I recognize you can't get away from numbers. Somebody's going to want a key research. value somewhere, right? <laughs> yes, but. So it's like being able to start capturing stories, I feel like will play a really significant role in shaping my thoughts around what I would want to do more specifically with the research, because a lot of feedback I've gotten is that I would need to be more narrowed in. And so I figure if I can start like capturing stories and talking to people who do do transitions work in the podcast space, then I can start noticing more trends and patterns and where my interest goes as a way to like pre-research i haven't yeah. thought beyond that about like would i truly use yeah. my podcast for research because like i said i have not signed up for a phd <laughs> just yet well fortunately nobody's ever going to hear that you were even talking about it <laughs> <laughs> um uh tell me more about transitions like are there particular like what when you when you say the word transition what what uh, vision are you having in your mind what does that entail for you that is just about the first question i have in my podcast um <laughs> what comes up for me this is great cuz i should i should answer it if i'm going to ask people it uh, I'm going to push back about that. A lot of times I ask questions, I have no bleeping clue what the answer is. Like, I was like, I don't know about this. I don't have a, just, you know, here, you try and answer it. <laughs> so I do that a okay, lot. That's but anyway, I mean, so. as a coach, I also do that. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm supposed to have the questions. I'm not supposed to have the answers as the coach, right? Anyway, I'm sorry. Exactly. Transitions. <laughs> uh, transitions for me are about spaces of change in our lives. And they are exciting to me because there's movement happening. And so the fact that there is movement happening means that if you lean into the movement, you can have a lot of really lovely things come out of it. Um, it's a huge space of identity development. And I think as a culture, we tend to be very mm, judgmental of transitions and just want to get through them as fast as possible. 
because they're <laughs> definitely uncomfortable. Yeah. I- I think it really depends on, right, the nature of the transition too. You know, it's like, oh, I'm changing jobs or I'm changing houses or relationships. Yeah. Um, But yes, it's nice when things don't feel rushed. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to think, I don't know that I have a good answer for that question. I don't know. One of the things I like to also ask is like, what comes up in your body? when you hear transitions, which when I was getting feedback, I got a little pushback on that question because it's, mm. it's a little bit of a challenging question, but I like asking it because I think that checking in with our bodies tells us a lot more about like, what's the deeper story too. Yeah, um, I'll buy that. That's true. Yeah. I, I'm I'm gonna say absolutely nothing in particular comes up around transitions for me. I'm just like, yeah, I mean, but then again, I can also think of some big transitions where, yeah, that was a big deal, you know, X decades ago <laughs> when those transitions out, that was a big deal. Um, so I definitely think I understand what it would be like to have a visceral reaction, mm-hmm. some sort of visceral response to that type of. I don't want to say event. I want to say opportunity. I want to say <laughs> change of space, change of place. Which maybe is for you. Like you may experience transitions as more of the excitement and positive and opportunity. It like in what I've seen so far, it feels like people tend to experience transitions either as more like that's overwhelming and a lot or as that's exciting. And like, let me run at the transition because it means something new. I, I think I tend to fall back on my favorite Polish proverb, which is not my circus, not my monkeys, you know, like, Oh, look at that transition coming at me. Hmm. <laughs> what do you want to do for lunch? You know, like, just, oh, what could possibly go wrong? I, I think that it probably just stems from like, every, I'm, I'm imagining everybody's answer to that. Like what is one's reaction to change and challenging transitions it's going to depend on how old you are and how many challenging transitions you know after the 50th one you're like you know what these transitions aren't so challenging anymore um and did you choose it or was it more something that was truly not by choice or felt like it was forced what uh, what what i wanted this the first thought that i just had was about uh visualization so pre-visualizing um, so one could visualize, you know, like your boss says, Hey, here, have a transition for a Tuesday, you know, and then you're like, nah, you know, and, and you could like take the evening and go home and visualize all the different permutations. So you could visualize it after you hear the train horn at the crossing, but you could also visualize transitions, you know, like, what would I do if I lost my job? Or what would I do if the local supermarket burned to the ground? You know, like, where's the next one? Or what would I do if I lost my car because I can't afford to fix it? You know, you could, you could just run through all these situations. What would I do if I hit the lottery? And like, I actually know the answer to that question. <laughs> but by visualizing all kinds of random transitions, you're probably never going to visualize one that you are actually going to encounter. Yeah. Um, and I'm just wondering what in, um, are you interested in learning about how people I'm going to say deal with transitions. Like what are people's experiences of transition? Or are you interested in trying to figure out tool sets that people can pick up? You know, like, Hey everybody, you know, when you, after you get out of high school, you also need to learn this thing, which is about 
whatever actually works for, oh, wait, there's nine different ways of doing it for nine different kinds of people. Um, are you, do you feel like you're still in the, I need to figure out what transitions are and how those affect people? Or do you feel like you're super interested in like, how do we make transitions easier or better uh, yeah. for people experiencing them? Well, you know, diagnosis versus <laughs> cure type of thing. Again, in the multifaceted <laughs> response. Oh, no, I'm intentionally you. throwing you dichotomies um, now. It's like, let me make up a question that sounds like it has a two, you know, A or B and then throw it at you and just to make you find C. Oh, so kind. Um, so I am interested in understanding the emotional experience, like the human experience of transitions um, better. Like what is happening in our brains and bodies how do we encounter transitions as a culture? Um, but I am really interested in also being able to explore, like, how does coaching as a modality work with seasons of change and transition? Because that is that is my career field. <laughs> um, it's a wheelhouse, right? Yeah. So, like, I I think with the podcast space, I'm more interested in more of the, the the former because it's more I intentionally tried to create it as like an exploration space like go broad so that I can lo start looking for more like patterns and trends cool quick go do 100 episodes <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> trying to figure out where it fits in the in the schedule right now still. yes that is the hard part and like both figuratively how do i fit this into my life but also literally like well you know as soon as you're trying to talk to another person so if you're just doing host on mic arguably you can do it at three in the morning hiding in your closet you can you know crank out five minutes of recording uh, but when you need to talk to other people then suddenly it's like okay we got to schedule this and if you want to talk to them in person it's even worse cool um i'm watching our time fly past anything else that's like top of mind now after having talked for 18 minutes that you want to touch before we dash out the door sure i think something that was an interesting thought for me as we've been talking is i have always said that i am not an auditory learner but then when we were talking at the beginning about using podcasting as an audio learning space it struck me that I actually am pretty good at listening now. And I think that's something that's been largely learned as I've become a coach. But it's funny to be like welcoming a space of learning that is very auditory. And <laughs> mm. pretty fun to like see things shift there. Terrific. Um, my next thought is, ooh, because yeah, you're really leaning into the transition and forcing yourself to go from whatever you're more comfortable in, whether it's visual or reading, or you're forcing yourself to go into the space and then, yeah. Um, but I pretty much think if you have an idea in your head and we try to have a conversation, oh, look, the idea keeps coming up because that's how our brains work. Yeah. Follow those threads. Cool, cool, cool. All right, uh, Jessica, it was a pleasure to get a chance to talk. I believe we've been on a couple of what I call them Hollywood Square Zoom calls, you know, where there's 20 faces in the room, but uh, it's nice to get a chance to meet you. And thanks for taking the time today. Same to you. Great to meet you too, Craig. <laughs>